everyone. Welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. My name is Anu, and today we're back with another episode of the specialty series. This specialty is one that I personally wasn't considering coming in and has surprisingly found its way onto my radar because of the amazing renal block experience with Dr. Jane and a lovely kidney enthusiast who I am delighted to have as a guest co-host today. My friend, would you please introduce yourself? Hey everybody, my name is Yara Bimosin. I'm a second year medical student here at UNC and like a new set, a fellow nephrology enthusiast. I'm pretty sure my job in the future will somehow incorporate nephrology and the kidneys in some way. I'm pretty determined to find a way to do that. And I'm very excited to be here today and to introduce a very special guest, Dr. Keisha Gibson. I met Dr. Gibson when I was 17 in the hospital as a pediatric nephrology patient and stayed on for as long as I possibly could till she had to kick me out <laughs> as an adult. And she's been there for me through everything. I think like the toughest parts of my life and the good parts and getting into med school and mentoring me. So Dr. Gibson, thank you so much for being here. If you could please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do here at UNC. I am just absolutely delighted to be here today. And I know this is a podcast, so nobody can really see how widely I'm smiling and pumping my fists in the air because I hear all of you talking about being kidney enthusiasts. And, you know, and I'm sitting here staring eyeball to eyeball <laughs> with my big why for nephrology is, is really getting to work with young people like you, student Dr. Abamosin. It just fills me with absolute pride. Um, so for those that are listening, my name is Keisha Gibson. I am a proud pediatric nephrologist. Um, I have uh, had a very long history here at UNC. I was born right down the street at that other place that we will not name today. Um, grew up in Durham, North Carolina, and I think through middle school and high school was a part of every pipeline program that UNC sponsored to keep uh, underrepresented minorities and women interested in STEM. So I spent many of my Saturdays here on this campus, a lot of time at Phillips Hall, and uh, was very fortunate to be able to uh, come here for medical school. We won't talk about how long ago that was because it was a couple of moons. And uh, I came back in 2005 to complete my fellowship in pediatric nephrology, and I also have a degree in epidemiology. And somehow in the pattern and midst of life, uh, doors have opened, and I have been fortunate not only now to become the chief of uh, pediatric nephrology here, but I'm also the vice chair for diversity, equity, and inclusion for the Department of Medicine. That is amazing. It is a pleasure to have you here today, and it's amazing to, to have you both here, given the connection that y'all share. So thank you. To dive right in, could you tell us more about your personal journey into nephrology? How did you find yourself here, and what experiences shaped your decision? You know, it's interesting. I, If you were to talk to me as a 17-year-old who was trying to determine what I was going to do in college, I would have looked at you and said I was going to be a biomedical engineer. Now, that was a field that was really still expanding at the time. It was really cool to say out loud. I don't think I really had an idea as to what it really meant, um, but I had in my mind that I was going to be a basic science researcher. So everything that I did was in a laboratory. Um, I spent three summers, I think, in high school working in um, basic science labs. I uh, spent two summers at NIH, um, my first couple of years in college, and that's what I was going to do. And then one day I woke up and realized that staring at 96 well plates and holding pipettes and sacrificing mice just wasn't my jam. 
Um, but I was in a family that all we did was science, and so I had to figure something out pretty quickly. And uh, just talking with my friends, and they knew my personality. They said, Keisha, have you ever thought about being a physician? Huh, nope, really haven't thought about it. I've only worked with mice, but maybe working with people would be better. <laughs> and so I really needed to make a shift because I really did not have a strong background in sort of, you know, the sort of human side of biological science, right? It was all basic science. Uh, and so I found out through my dad, actually, um, about a program at UNC called the MED program. And so I applied for that program uh, my junior year of college and was accepted. And after that summer, which was a whirlwind, I mean, imagine the whole first year of medical school squeezed into nine weeks, a little intense, but it was such a good feeling at the end. And I realized at that point that I found my people. Um, and so it was no looking back. And so now I decided I'm going to be a physician. I was just really focused on getting into medical school. And people were asking me, what kind of doctor are you going to be? Well, I don't really know. I'm just really trying to focus on medical school. And they said, well, what kind of doctor are you going to be? And then I looked around and said, well, you know, it would kind of make sense for me to be a kidney doctor. I'm surrounded by family members that have kidney disease and have aunts and cousins that are you know, going to dialysis three days a week. And my family threatened me and said, if I drank too much uh, dark colas, that I was going to end up on dialysis. And I wanted to know, was that, a, was that a real thing? Or was that just something that they said to keep me from drinking too many sodas? Uh, so I came into medical school saying that I wanted to be a nephrologist. Said nobody else ever. But I did. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you did make that shift and went into nephrology. And kind of like broadly speaking, can you give us an overview of nephrology as a whole and kind of what like a day-to-day -day life looks like for a nephrologist? Oh, that's, you know, that's a really difficult question because I have to say that nephrology is probably one of the most heterogeneous fields that you can go into. I am an academic nephrologist. If you're asking me to characterize myself, I'm an academic nephrologist. And with that on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm never doing the same thing. So just to give you an example of my week this week, 6 o'clock Monday morning, I was on a Zoom call with colleagues from Italy and Japan and Germany um, because I'm working with international groups to write guidelines for rare kidney diseases. I then got up and went to clinic. <laughs> I ended my day um, on a Zoom call working uh, with students, just trying to keep people interested uh, in science and in particular kidney diseases. And so I, I love the heterogeneity of what I get to do. I work with patients. Um, I am, I call myself a sort of a cog in many research wheels. Uh, so I'm helping to run several clinical trials. I collaborate with people that are in the lab. So all those years that I spent building myself um, with the pedigree of a basic scientist, I still understand kind of what they do. I mean, the field is expanding, so they're quickly going above my head. But I still can sit in the room and follow what's happening and figure out how I can, you know, collaborate with them in an effective way to make sure that the things that we're doing in the lab translate to things that are really going to help us in real life. Um, I wear, you know, several administrative hats. And so I am sitting in meetings, working with colleagues to better figure out how do we deliver care? How do we run a hospital? How do we keep the lights on? How do we make sure that our patients can get their medications? Um, so I really, it's, it's a dream job for somebody like me who I know that part of my internal pathology is that I'm a little ADD. Probably not enough to be on medications, but my job is my medication. My job is my treatment because every day is a little bit different. Every day I look at my calendar and I'm seeing um, moments where I have to really sort of switch how I'm thinking or what I'm doing or who I'm interacting with. 
that heterogeneity sounds very cool and I'm really glad that it, it gives you so much of energy and life. Before we delve into some broader questions about the field, we'd like to talk in more detail about the path to becoming a board-certified nephrologist. Could you start by giving us a breakdown of the years between finishing medical school and becoming an attending? What does residency entail in terms of training and work culture? Yeah, so I'll actually take like one or two years back, you know, from uh, graduating from medical school because I came into medical school knowing I wanted to be a nephrologist. But in my mind, I only knew about adult nephrologists right? Adult nephrology. Adults get kidney disease. And it was uh, my third year of medical school um, when I uh, started our clinical rotations and pediatrics was my first rotation. I was not excited about it. I was extremely nervous. I didn't really like kids at the time. Didn't want them at the time. I have two wonderful kids now and I'm going to keep them. But at that particular point in my life, I really was not about kids. And that was the most amazing six weeks of my life. And so at the end of that rotation, I was really confused. I said, but I promised everybody in my family, including my granddaddy, that I was going to be a kidney doctor, but now I want to be a pediatrician. And so I said, okay, well, I haven't done internal medicine yet, so maybe I'll feel differently. Internal medicine was my last rotation. It wasn't my jam. <laughs> and so I ended up taking a year off um, at the end of my third year because I had to make a decision because in order to become a nephrologist, you have to do a fellowship program. So you do um, three years of either if you're going to be a pediatric nephrologist, three years of pediatrics. If you're going to be an adult medicine doctor, um, three years of internal medicine. Uh, if you're going to do both, so we definitely have med-peds nephrologists, and we need more of those. But that's four years of med-peds and, you know, four years of fellowship. And so I had to make a decision which door was I going to go through, and I wasn't sure. And I didn't even know there was something called a pediatric nephrologist. I mean, who thought that kids get kidney disease? Uh, so I found that out very late in my third year and said that, well, I've not given this any thought, so I need time. So I took a year off um, and decided to turn that into a research year, sought out one of the pediatric nephrologists that was on faculty here and said, hey, will you be willing to mentor me for a year? Um, and between that individual and Dr. Falk, who is now chair of medicine here, um, I spent a wonderful year learning how to be a clinical researcher. Because again, up until that point in time, my only experience had been in lab research. Um, and it was a wonderful year. Um, and I was sold at the end that, yes, pediatric nephrology is what I want to do. So I decided to match into pe general pediatrics. And I uh, went to my home roots. All of my blood is from South Carolina, even though I was born in Durham. My blood is all <laughs> from South, South Carolina. And so I went to MUSC in Charleston. And it was a wonderful experience. And here I am now, pediatric resident. I'm going to be a nephrologist. I promise everybody in my family I'm going to be a kidney doctor. But everything looks so fun. Hematology, loved it. I love working with our sickle cell patients. Wasn't so much down for the oncology side of things, but I said, hmm, maybe hematology. And then in the ICU, I found myself just really excited about, you know, working with all the pathology and really, you know, being there for families at their most vulnerable, vulnerable moments and loved the ICU. And I said, well, maybe I want to do PICU. And then um, it came to second year, and I had to make a decision because now you have to go through another match process, right, for nephrology. Um, and I had to make a decision. Am I going to stick with this or not? And uh, I, I think at that moment what worried me was missing out on working with these other patient populations that seemed to, you know, get me excited. But stepped out on faith and said, nope, 
everything is lined up for me. Um, I'm going to stick with this. I matched into pediatric nephrology. And thank goodness I did. Um, it was very challenging program, the first well, three-year program. Came back to UNC for this. Um, the first year was mostly clinical. And I was fortunate enough to match into a program that had a funding mechanism that would allow me to also obtain a, a master's of public health in epidemiology. So it was a renal epidemiology training grant. So I spent uh, the first year mostly a clinical side of things. The last two years, I was sitting in a classroom again with you know very young 20-year-olds um, looking at calculus equations that I had long forgotten, <laughs> somehow made it through. Um, and uh, so after the fellowship program, then applied for a position here. And I've been on faculty since 2008. And so in retrospect, when I think about that fear that I had that I was going to miss all of these other moments of working with sickle cell patients and working in ICUs, I haven't had a moment to miss anything. Because when I'm on service and I'm rounding in the hospital, guess what? I'm in the, I'm in the ICU. I'm in the neonatal ICU, I'm on the general floors, I'm in clinic, I'm in the burn ICU. I'm, I still get to interact and I have to remember how a ventilator works. Um, I get to take care of a lot of sickle cell patients. Um, and it's just, again, for somebody that needs variety in life, um, I've just been really pleased that this is what I get to do. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, to, to follow up on that briefly, you mentioned having to do a fellowship um, to effectively become a nephrologist. Could you comment a little bit on fellowships even within nephrology um, that might you know be beneficial for um, folks that are wanting to specialize a little more? Yeah, yeah. I will tell you that right now is an incredibly exciting time in nephrology. Um, you know, it used to be that across nephrology training, and this is both for pediatrics and adult, that it was kind of one size fits all. And um, on the adult side in particular, we're now in the midst of this renaissance. So I, um, one of the hats that I wear is that I um, am uh, on the Council for the American Society of Nephrology. Um, we have about 21,000 members, um, and I'm currently the treasurer um, for the group. And uh, one of my liaison roles is working with our workforce and training committee. And I was a part of a task force to answer a call from the um, American Board of Internal Medicine and ACGME, there's kind of the governing bodies, right, for medical education, to say, hey, what do you guys think we need to keep in here in terms of requirements to be a kidney doctor? What are the, what are the basic competencies that you have to have to be a kidney doctor? And so the, the society, you know, the entire community is sort of stepping back and saying, well, does every nephrologist need to know how to do a kidney biopsy? Does every nephrologist need to do X, Y, or Z? What are the additional opportunities we can do? I mean, we're now, as we're moving into a, a more of a world of precision medicine, you know, we need really, you know, sort of focused specialists. Um, so we are now looking at, at rebuilding or restructuring nephrology training so a fellow can, a potential fellow candidate can look up and say, you know what, I really like taking care of cancer patients with kidney disease. So onco-nephrology may be a track for you. Or I'm really somebody who wants to focus on population health. Well, here are the programs that are going to make sure that you're well-trained in that. Well, I'm somebody that really loves procedures. I, I love dealing with vascular access, and I love putting in catheters. I want to be that person. Well, interventional nephrology may be the track for you. Um, and so we are now working on uh, really sort of revamping things so that we can say, okay, what's the minimum? Okay, to be a nephrologist, you need to know how to do dialysis. To be a nephrologist, you might not have to know how to do the biopsy or do the biopsy itself, 
but you need to at least understand the report that you're getting back. You need to understand what are the complications patients may have. So if they come back to the hospital, you know what to do. Um, so that's everywhere. But now you can look up and say, okay, what are my special skills? What are the things that get me out of bed in the morning? You know, maybe you're a nephrologist and all you want to do is focus on hypertension. Well, hypertension fellowship may be for you. Um, so it's just, it's really an exciting time because there, I think the opportunities for people to really um, sort of uh, craft or build the training around what's going to feed you is there. Awesome. It seems like there's a lot of different ways you can go within nephrology as well. But to take it back to perhaps like a first year or second year medical student, what advice would you give them if they were interested in nephrology? Like what should they do now to prepare for residency? Oh, wonderful. I think that the first thing to do um, as you're going through every year of your training, be present in that year of your training um, because it all is all important. So I see people that are so focused. They come in and I know I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. And so they feel like everything they do, they do needs to be within that. No, take advantage of, you know, the exposure that you have because it matters that I paid attention when I was on my pulmonary rotation. It matters that I was paying attention, um, you know, with the genetics component. It, all of it matters. So the first thing to do is to really sort of focus on making sure that you absorb um, and that you build strong competency in what is being presented to you at that moment. And then seek out little opportunities for exposures to be sure that this is what you want to do. You know, I came into college saying I was going to be a biomedical engineer. I was going to save the world one one well at a time. <laughs> and things have really sort of changed um, because I paid attention to the thing that was feeding me. Um, you know, I think sometimes we can get things in our head and say, this is the path that I'm on and I'm going to disappoint everybody around me if I don't stay on that path. But pay attention to what's feeding you um, at, um, in the moment and don't be afraid to branch out. Um, I, I look up 25 years ago, there's no way in the world that I would have been able to look at somebody and say, I'm just going to be a pediatric nephrologist. It's not on my radar. It was because I listened to the things that were feeding me. Pediatrics absolutely fed me. Um, I love the fact that, and Yara, I think that you'll know that, you know, the first 10 minutes of our clinic visits, I wasn't asking about medications. I wasn't asking, we weren't talking about numbers. It was what's happening in school. <laughs> I want to know, you know, your classes. I want to know how well you're doing, where you're struggling, what are we going to do to fix that? Because, you know, I, I look at one of the um, privileges that I have is in being an advocate for young people that are dealing with chronic illness to not allow the illness to define them and to make sure that they're focused on this is, you know, this is something extra I got to deal with, but it's not going to block the greatness that is already in front of me. So it's a privilege. Definitely. <laughs> appreciated the free advising sessions that I was getting before every <laughs> every appointment. Um, and just to kind of follow up on that, what would you say to someone who perhaps is undecided about nephrology? What can they do now to kind of rule it in or out? Yeah, I think talk to people. I, you know, I think that you'll find that a lot of us that are in this field and stay in this field are here because we're really happy and we're excited about it. Um, so I definitely think when you're, um, once you're in residency, choose the rotations because in different programs, it's not a required elective to rotate um, on nephrology. And so really sort of immerse yourself with that, you know, if you have the opportunities um, for that. Um, don't be afraid to send an email or to phone a friend to call, say, hey, I think I'm interested in nephrology. I think you'll find that many of us are always really happy and excited to sit and just chat 
about what nephrology is like, what um, what path we took, um, what things worked, what things didn't. Um, yeah, and it's really so. It's really just you know sort of seeking out you know those opportunities to, um, to talk with people. You know, there's um you know the question of do you have to have research to go into fellowship, and that's not a requirement. We understand that different programs are built differently. Um, there's going to be opportunities that are easier to to seek out at different places. So don't allow that to stop you. You know, if the interest is there, this is what you want to do. It's really just sort of raising your hand saying that I think I want to be part of this club. And I think you're going to find a lot of people are really, really excited to step in and be sponsors and to be mentors and to be advisors. Thank you. Switching gears a little, back in renal block, the wonderful Dr. Jane told us that our knowledge of the renal system will be essential regardless of whether we go on to become nephrologists because a surprisingly large amount of the U.S. population is afflicted with kidney disease of some sort. So how can aspiring physicians from all specialties be strong advocates for this patient population? Absolutely. I, there's an under-recognition of um, the public health emergency that we have in terms of kidney disease. 37 million people are walking around with kidney disease. Uh, one in nine of us have some degree of kidney disease, and it's unrecognized, it's unmeasured. Until things are really far advanced, um, that's when people start paying attention about it, and we've missed our window to really intervene. And so it's really important in every specialty. If you're a cardiologist, if you're an endocrinologist taking care of patients with, with patient with diabetes, um, if you're, you know, you're an internist, you really need to include this in every other screening that we would do. I think that we're very conscious about cancer screenings, as we should be. We're very conscious of, you know, uh, screening people for diabetes, as we should be. Kidney disease needs to have that same level of um, diligence and respect. Um, because, right, as I said, it's an exciting time in nephrology. Not only um, do we see a lot of changes in how we're training individuals, um, there's a lot of um, opportunity of, in terms of treatment for us to intervene and to put nephrologists out of business. I mean, I, I really, one of the mantras that I live by is that my job is for us as nephrologists to put ourselves out of business when it comes to dialysis. I want to wake up one day and, you know, we have put every dialysis center out of business. That's what we need to do. We need to, we, we, we need to be about the business of preventing end-stage kidney disease. Um, I... You know, this is a weird statement to make probably out loud, but um, my father passed away in 2016. And considering the number of people in my family that actually died with kidney failure, I considered it a win that he was only at CKD stage three. And I really, truly feel that we were able to at least not have to deal with the stress of what do we do now that we're at the end stage kidney disease uh, level, because his community of physicians that were all here at UNC um, were very thoughtful of making appropriate interventions early enough to make sure that we didn't get to that point, that we did not get to the point of dialysis. And that needs to happen across the world. We need to get out of the business of dialysis being the treatment for kidney disease. I totally agree. Give everybody transplants. Give everybody, Give everybody, transplants. everybody transplants. And SGL2 inhibitors. So hopefully you guys remember us talking about that and how excited all of us were. <laughs> a huge paper just came out in New England Med uh, Journal of Medicine um, a few weeks ago about this. So SGL2 inhibitors and ACE inhibitors in the water for everyone. Yes. <laughs> just mix it in. Um, so we often hear that every specialty has a personality type. How would you describe most of the individuals that 
uh, decide to pursue a career in nephrology? Like any particular traits that might um, that an undecided medical student could kind of shift them in that direction? Oh, that's a great question. Um, a natural curiosity, uh, I think, is important. Um, determination that we're going to make sure that you have the best possible outcome. Um, flexibility, because and um, being a good listener, um, you know, I think that nephrology is one of those fields that lends itself to um, patient um, sort of driven, patient centered um, sort of decisions, shared decision making. Um, you know, there's, you know, what we push transplant, 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 you know, for some families, maybe that's not what they want. Um, and so I think it's, it's uh, it lends, this is a field that also lends itself to a lot of shared decision making. Yeah, patient. I mean, I, I really think that this is um, somebody, the type of person who goes into nephrology is somebody who um, is dedicated to continuity of care, because in a lot of ways, we do sometimes become part of the primary care team. We become a medical home. Um, and so if you're somebody who enjoys hospital medicine, so you like, you know, you want to be in the hospital to take care of really sick patients, the opportunity is there. Um if you're somebody that really values that longitudinal relationship with a patient, that is very easily there. Um, so I really think that it's, nephrology is one of those specialties that no matter who you are, whatever your personality type, there's a way that you can craft the career um, to match how you're going to best operate. You know, there's some people that just want to, I just want to do procedures. And so maybe you're the interventional nephrologist and you're taking care of patients, and then you're sending them to the other nephrologist to deal with the, non, the, the continuity of care. Um, so I, I really, I think about a personality type. There's not a singular personality that's going to do well with this. I think it's really just, are you the type of person that's willing to be creative um, enough to seek out the opportunities to make sure that the career that you're stepping into matches where you think you're going to most succeed? And taking a deeper dive now, you mentioned earlier that it's a very exciting time in the field of nephrology. Um, and you talked a little bit about the future, you know, changes going on in training, as well as even just shifting um, the mindset of, of prevention over, over treatment at end stage. Um, just could you comment a little bit more on those issues or any other existing issues or challenges in the field that current and future generations of nephrologists should be aware of and aim to improve going forward? Yeah, I think that one of the things that's really exciting about this time is that not only do I think that we are, as a community, doing a better job of getting the message out that kidney disease is a public health emergency, um, we have the attention of the government. So a few years ago, we had uh, major legislation um, signed um, that really sets forth a mandate to, from a dialysis standpoint, make uh, move us to more home-based therapies rather than people going to in-center dialysis to really double the number of transplants that we're doing um, by 2030, um, you know, really sort of pushing us to move towards a model of preventative um, measures. And there's money that's been appropriated through Congress to help us get these um, things accomplished. And so when I think about things that really support change and you know, how we're able to deliver care, you really have to have all those entities. You have to have an engaged patient population. And our patients are incredibly engaged. They are holding us accountable and saying, you guys need to do better. Dialysis ain't it. <laughs> we, need, we need more. Um, and so we have that. 
we have, you know, physicians that have been in this fight for decades, you know, wanting the support for us to move science forward, forward so that we can really transform how we're delivering care. We've got that. And then you need systems. We need the government. We need insurance companies and payers um, to really make sure that they're partnering with us in an effective way to be able to get, you know, to really be able to move forward. So, you know, we kind of have this milieu of all the perfect pieces of the recipe. And so we have to really make sure that we capitalize it and make sure that we get a cake that rises and not <laughs> the sad cake that falls in the oven, right? Um, and so I think that's another reason why it's such an exciting time. And then when you look sort of globally at medicine in general, you know, you have this really sort of shift in mindset of how we do. We're moving away from one size fits all and really looking at precision medicine. So as I'm looking at you as an individual, it's not we're going to put you in a bucket based upon your skin color and based upon, you know, if you were born here or there. We're going to look at you. We want to understand what is what is your what does your genome tell me? What does your metabolome tell me? What is your, you know, what is your um, your um, your biome, your microbiome tell us? You know, all the ohms, right? And so, really trying to move towards looking at people as individuals and really personalizing the care and personalizing the treatments. Um, and so, I think when you put all that together, you know, there's a lot of excitement right now, and nephrology is really at the forefront of a lot of that. It's exciting. At least for someone who's coming up and do it, at least, <laughs> to hear about all the changes that will be happening. Yeah. And kind of more on a fun note, what's your favorite part about being a nephrologist and kind of what keeps you anchored? Oh, goodness. Uh, my patients keep me anchored, um, for sure. Um, it's, you know, again, I, I, I look at you, Yara. I look at so many of our patients and just on a daily basis, I'm inspired, you know, by the strength that we see in individuals. Um, it encourages me to really work hard to do better. I'm excited about these new treatments. We still have room for improvement because, you know, people are still taking 15 pills twice a day. We can do better. You know, we have to hold our, our industry partner, the people in labs that are helping us to develop these therapies. You know, let's find a way to get this in a patch. Let's find a way to have to get an injection one time a week. Let's move away from people having to take 15 pills twice a day. We can do better. Um, and so I'm excited to have an opportunity to be at the table to advocate, you know, in pediatrics globally. One of the frustrations, I think, if you talk to pediatrics of specialties, especially those that, like us that work in spaces of rare diseases, um, people, well, industries are often risk averse. And so they don't include children in clinical trials. Um, and so several of the clinical trials that I am a part of only enroll adult patients. And so I'm around the table. And I get to look at people and say, why, exactly why are we not including children? My children have the exact same disease. They need these drugs too. And so when you get them approved for adults, now I have to kind of figure out how to make it work. That's not safe. So it's, it's good to be around the table to sort of raise that flag. Um, you know, I think that there are things that we've done that have been by practice. Um, for instance, one of the things I'm, I really am very proud of the nephrology um, community is that as we think about how we deal with race in medicine, um, so we all understand race is a social construct, um, but when we're sitting in classes, you always, we like to put people in buckets, right? And we like to look at patterns and that's one easy thing to do. Um, but taking a deeper dive, what's the biologic link? It's very little, it's less than 10% of what's, what's going on. 
And so nephrology was what was not was one of the only it was the first <laughs> community to look up and to do the work uh, to remove race from our clinical algorithms um, for measuring kidney function. Um, and so now we're working with other subspecialties to help them understand how did we do the work to make sure that by just removing it, that we didn't introduce, you know, unintended different biases. Um, and uh, so we are very proud um, that that has been accomplished. And I think that we're going to hopefully shrink some of the disparities that have been created because of that, because of this inclusion. So just broadly, nephrology right now is, is, is where it's at. We're we are there's so many changes. There's such amazing research that's happening now. We have um, colleagues uh, that are working on uh, kidney on a chip, you know, trying to find ways to uh, to grow kidneys either by harvesting um, healthy cells um, from other humans. Um, we have a transplant surgeon in Alabama who presented um, her very encouraging findings of one of the first kidney xenotransplants, so from a pig. Um, you know, so we there's so much happening in this field right now. Um, and I think that, you know, for somebody looking up that wants to be a part of something that's really rapidly evolving, nephrology is one of those fields. That is mind-blowing, honestly. <laughs> I'm stuck on xenotransplant. <laughs> um, but it's it's amazing that y'all are advocating for all these changes and raising those flags, like you said, so that's incredible. Um, those are honestly all the questions we have for you. It's been so amazing just to hear all of your enthusiasm. It's getting me more excited about it. Uh, we'd like to leave some room now for you to share any other thoughts or advice that you might have, and it could be about anything, the clinical years, life, medicine. Yeah, I just, for all... All of the students that are listening um, to this right now, just really cherish this time. I think about um, the time that I had here at UNC as a medical student, and I think about the family that I created, and that family is still part of my family today. Um, you know, you're going to carry these um, moments for the rest of your lives, and, you know, just really sort of capture you know, what you remember about each other. Like, I look back, and so many of my classmates are here now at UNC in leadership positions. And I'm so proud of all of them, but I also remember them as the people that sat in the back of the class and were throwing paper balls <laughs> at us in the front. You know, I think about all the wacky moments that we had together and to, you know, you blink and 20 years pass without, <laughs> without you know, any warning whatsoever. Um, but I still vividly remember, you know, all of those very special moments. So just... As busy as you get, I know from day to day, but, you know, day to day is all about survival. I know some days it's just, I got to get past this test. I got to get past this project. I got to, you know, so you're going to have that. Um, but just, you know, take a moment to just really just soak in each other and just cherish these moments. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Dr. Gibson, thank you so much for being amazing, for being you, and for sharing some of your time and wisdom with us today. To our listeners, that has been Dr. Keisha Gibson and a quick snapshot into nephrology. My name is Yara Bimosin. My name is Anu. Be sure to follow the Tar Heel Prescription on Instagram to keep up with our speaker highlights and latest episodes. And keep giving us feedback by filling out the Google form or contacting us directly. Thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on the Tar Heel Prescription.